0: So we find out in Prodigal Daughter that Esri Dax's old last name was Tegan. And all I could think about was how much of a missed opportunity it was that they didn't name her Sarah.
1: Well, considering that the band didn't exist at the time that the... uh,
0: There's time travel involved. This is a Star Trek show.
1: I can't really get into Tegan and Sarah.
0: Yeah, they're not great. So Um, uh, we also just like this episode.
1: Well, really? I, I mean, certainly Emperor's New Cloak is terrible, but I liked this one a lot.
0: I, I think that, yeah, I mean, I can see um, someone liking this the, f- the first time they see it, and there's real diminishing returns after the first time you okay. see it. Uh, once you know what happens, and it just becomes a soap opera episode... And that's fair. And, you know, I don't necessarily uh, dislike DS9 when it becomes a soap opera. I think that some of the best episodes of the show could be termed as soap opera-ish. But this episode, it just takes up too much time with guest stars that I don't care
1: about. I guess part of it is that I do like TNG every every other episode was about daddy issues, right? Like and there's, you know, certainly plenty of that in this show, but we see a lot more mommy issues in this series and this is a very much a mommy issues episode. And so for the balance of it, I do like it for that reason. Um I like that it's taking some of the themes of uh That Star Trek has about the way that parenting is and putting them in a different context, giving them with a character that we, you know, haven't seen before, learning who Ezra is a little bit more, I mean— this episode goes very far to explain why Ezri immediately jumped back to Starfleet as her, yeah. you know, as opposed to taking some time to recover. Why she didn't, you know, go to Trill or anything like that.
0: I, I think it's yeah. I mean, certainly, as I mean, one of my problems with with Prodigal Daughter really is that Ezri doesn't really have much to do in it, no. and I, I think that it's a. It's a noble instinct to try and develop the character of Ezra a little bit and reveal who her family is and where she comes from. Because, you know, of course, we know a lot about everyone else's family. Yeah. I think the only character's parents that I don't think we have ever actually met
1: is is O'Brien, right? We also didn't really meet uh, Jadzia's family at all, have we?
0: Yeah, that's true, actually. I, I
1: was Before I watched this episode, I was thinking, all right, who is the prodigal daughter and... You know, Kira's family, her parents are both dead, uh, and so so it really could only be Ezri. Um, I was thinking that if we had ha- had met Genzia's parents already, this there might be an interesting episode in Ezri meeting up with her parents, but obviously, uh, you know, this is not the time to bring in two new families.
0: Yeah, and there's also that, that trill taboo yeah. around reassociation, so I suppose they wouldn't do that. But I think that, I mean— one one of the things about about this episode in particular to me though is that I I, I feel like the O'Brien stuff is really tacked on just to yeah. give Ezra a reason to go back to her home.
1: No, it's a it's a doorway uh, into this story.
0: I think yeah, it is. I think that your problems with the Orion Syndicate are becoming my problems because yeah. they're just not very interesting, and also. One, th- this kind of gets to, I think, the the core of you know some of the civilian stuff that we've talked about with with Star Trek specifically, Deep Space Nine, and and the Maquis, which is that w- why why do these people live on this horrible planet? Yeah. You know, I mean, they worry about money, they're running a business. I, I get that, I get that instinct to uh, you know want to do work and to to feel like you're contributing to to society and to feel like you're doing something with your life. But to me, you know, they, they kind of hand wave it away by saying that New Sydney is not a a Federation planet, which is fine. But I, I don't really get why federations, assumedly, they're Federation citizens, even if they're not living on a Federation planet, because they're Trill. So I don't know. I got the why, why I got why? I,
1: I got the sense that I mean, New Sydney is not a is not a planet of all people who are of the species of Trill. I I assumed it was a colony world that had been unaffiliated. Perhaps it had been, you know, started because a group of people didn't want to be in the Federation for whatever political reasons, and you know, started their own planet. You know, and I, I don't know. Yes, they happen to be Trill, but they're not. You know, you. Well, I don't th-
0: think. I don't think the. Pl- I don't think it's supposed to be a Trill colony. Yeah. So
1: you get the you get the sense that. Uh, 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 Esri's family moved from Trill to New Sydney to start a life, and now they live on this other planet, which is where the mining operation was. And they're living on this particular planet because it's basically where their job is. But
0: it just seems like a lot of unnecessary stress to me. Yeah, I mean, when does. you when you have the Federation, which is this sort of like socialist utopia where everybody is taken care of, to to choose to live on a planet like this and to choose to live with all yeah. the stress of worrying about money and a business. And to to choose to also have to deal with the Orion Syndicate as well. I don't know. Something about it just doesn't really make a lot of sense to Yeah,
1: me. we haven't seen the. Because it's not as if there's a. Both TNG and DS9 have dealt with the concept of this is our home. You know, that was the whole issue with the treaty, why the Maquis started in the first place. Yeah. But it's not like. I I don't get the sense that uh, that Esri's mother feels that, well, this is her home, and this is where I live, and this is where – like, you get the sense that this is just, again, where her business is.
0: I suppose so, and I mean it doesn't really look like a nice planet. I mean the establishing shots of their house, while they have a really nice house – it, it, it doesn't seem like the kind of place where you'd want to hang around outside. I don't think they have a lot of like you know uh, municipal parks and, and you know rivers and things like yeah, that to hang it, out it, at.
1: It's a place that exists because it has rich natural resources, not because it's—
0: It has Pergeum, which that is what they were mining in The Devil in the Dark. Ah. Yeah. It's, but pro- yeah. it's pronounced differently in this episode. So. Anyway,
1: yeah. It, it, it's not—this they, 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 planet doesn't exist because it's pretty or because it's easy to live on. Like, yeah, it is a difficult— Life on there for most people. That's that's the nature of the thing.
0: And I think that you know, uh, you know, aside from all of that, I, I I think that my primary problem with Prodigal Daughter is that I, I don't really care about her family, frankly, and I don't think any of them are very interesting. And I don't really get a good sense of. I mean, certainly the overbearing mother is. Yeah, it, it's a little bit of a cliche at this point. No, she and, is
1: the. Archetype of the devouring mother who loves her children so much that she feeds on them till there's nothing left. Yeah, it's a it's a well done incarnation of that, but you're right, it is a cliche.
0: Right, and 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 so I don't really get a sense. I mean, the, the episode doesn't ever really do a good job of establishing exactly why she's like this. I I don't really understand why her brothers are, well, her one brother, um, whose name is Janelle, I believe. Yeah. um, Why he's so, I don't know, he just seems rude to her for no reason. And I kind of get that the family dynamic stuff, they're trying to establish her as, she's probably the youngest and she's also the only girl. And so, you know, like all that kind of stuff. But
1: part of the sense that I get is that you know, Jadzia's father's not in the picture, right? So that, you know, we. Jadzia's father? Uh, oh my God, I'm starting to have problems.
0: You're just like Esri.
1: Yeah. Esri's father's not in the picture. We don't know why that is, but, you know, if he left or died at when the kids were young, you could see how the mother would cling to her children, would view her daughter as, you know, the successor to her. And, you know, the, I, I see why the brothers would resent, uh, Esri going off and having her adventures and living a nice, cushy, privileged life in the Federation. I, I can see some of that, especially given that they're trying to, you know, the title, Prodigal Daughter, has the older son resenting the younger son who leaves. So there is, the, I guess, that dynamic is, you know. Well, that's,
0: I mean, I think that's at the core of why I, I have a problem with the concept of this episode is that I don't understand why they stay.
1: Yeah, because they they the the implication of the episode is that they don't you know either they feel a responsibility towards or the, you know the, their mother is the kind of person who will probably guilt the hell out of them and Esri is the one who's strong enough to be able to not listen to it and you know Will is the one to get out the others I guess aren't I mean w- with the younger brother uh,
0: Norvo Norvo.
1: I mean he is you know he is very Ooh, much, By the
0: way his little um, half shirt was really distracting me but anyway <laughs>
1: um you get the sense that yeah he is the kind of person who he is he dabbles in everything is he he's your typical guy who did really well in school because school was very easy because it's very rote but when it comes to showing any actual talent or brilliance, he just doesn't have it, and he knows that, and his mother makes him very aware that he has that, and so he doesn't feel like he has any other options. He's just the guy who stays around his hometown because he just doesn't have the balls to get out.
0: Yeah, and I think that – I mean I'm, I'm, you're right. I, 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 I mean I
1: think the older brother feels more of a personal obligation to working the mine. You know, It's the family business, that kind of a thing, but
0: – Yeah, and I guess that's really what it comes down for, to for me again is that – It doesn't. It just seems all very cliche to me. This family dynamic seems very cliche. The character, uh, all the characters in Esri's family seem very cliche. They're not really doing anything new or interesting with these dynamics. And if you're going to do this kind of episode, I, I wish that they would have something else to say about it. I mean, I almost feel like you know the, the the thing about o'brien disappearing at, on new sydney while he's trying to track yeah. down um uh, maritza bilby um bilby's wife from the episode from last season which we both really liked it feels like they just were trying to find a way to get esri to the planet as opposed to just having her go there because she hasn't been home in three years no it's a device and but it's not necessary i think it's it speaks to the episode's primary weakness for me which is that there's not they didn't have enough there to justify making this episode and so they had to uh, you know construct this elaborate you know deus ex machina or whatever to get him there
1: well partially there is the implication that if O'Brien weren't poking around into this nobody would have found out you know how how they got how this woman got killed maybe nobody cared enough to really ask you know although, although the, it is also implied that the, the O'Brien syndicate the Orion syndicate Now you found
0: out how the show ends Oh
1: my god um So that's why there's all these Torture O'Brien episodes. It's really other families. Um, It's it's,
0: it's building him up to be the one
1: to take over. Oh, my God. Uh, That's why he's investigating all the shenanigans around the Orion Syndicate because he's the big boss. Yep. Um, It is implied that the Orion Syndicate does want to find out why this woman was killed as well because— at one point they meant they suggest that the the orion syndicate killed her and it's kind of really dismissed immediately by well they're very much into taking care of their own and yeah it's true that the orion syndicate would not want somebody that's all that's being paid through them to get killed like this and the operative that we see of them the whatever uh Seems to have an idea that the brothers had something to do with it. Thaddeo Bokar. Thaddeo Bokar. That's a great Star Wars name. Um, it is. It, he he's obviously ha- has his suspicions about what happened and kind of, uh, I assume, wants to figure out who to exact their mob justice onto. I mean, let's, let's, I, wh- let's be fair. Uh, Norvo is not making it through his three years in prison, is he? 30. 30. I thought they said three. No, 30. Okay. Well, he's not— going to make it through those alive? I uh,
0: Maybe. I don't know. I, I think that uh, the Orion Syndicate, to me, in this episode, doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. and As I, opposed
1: to when it ever does make well, sense. That's the problem. Yeah.
0: It makes sense in as much as it's the space mafia, and that's fine, right? And I don't really have much of a problem with that as a concept. I think it's fine. Yeah. But for for me, what it really comes down to is that, you know, the Orion Syndicate was not paying Bilby's wife. No. It was... Uh, you know, the, the the mining family that was like, oh, you know, put her on the payroll and she wants more money and blah, blah, blah. And it just all feels like it, it feels too constructed to me. Yeah, it's it, not it,
1: like they were laundering the money through the mining operation or anything like that. They were just saying, all right, now you're prosperous again, so you've got to pay whatever she says.
0: Right. And I think that, it, again, you know, I, I guess it's a nice you know, it's a, it's a nice development for the Orion Syndicate that they want to take care of the people that, that are operatives. Dot, you know what I mean? Like, but it, it just, it all feels a little too constructed to me. It all feels like a way for them to try and figure out why Ezra's here and and to make the episode come to some sort of conclusion. But it feels like the episode is, to me, the the, the resolution of the episode, the conclusion of the episode is just trying to, you know, make this as dramatic and as terrible as possible. And I I just don't feel like any of it really works.
1: Oh, that's right. Again, it did work as the first time and for what it told us about Esri. And I do like seeing this kind of dynamic played out. And I am very interested in that. Why do people stay when they have, you know, when they should be gone, when they could have a better life elsewhere?
0: But they never answer that question. I mean, it's just, again, it's very cliche. Like, it's like they don't don't leave because they feel an obligation to their family. Okay, like why? Why do we need to see that for forty five minutes? I, I don't. You know, it's. It, I, I mean, I'm, I guess I'm being a little too hard, too harsh on the episode, but because it's not that bad. But it, it just feels like a missed opportunity. It feels like they don't do anything with it.
1: Well, I know you always, you know, you don't always like it when I come up with an alternate, you know, version of an episode. But what would you like them to have seen? What would you like to have seen them do with this? Then
0: I, I think the primary problem for me and the primary criticism that I have of this episode is that. I I don't get a good sense that they knew who who um, her mother was. I don't really get a good sense that they had an idea about how this mining operation actually started, where her father is, and the the actress who plays her mother. You know, I I'm not denigrating her acting ability. She does a fine job with the material that she's given, but it doesn't seem to me like they had any real sort of. Um, mm. She didn't really seem to me like she developed an actual backstory for this character. It was just she's a stern mother and they don't leave because she's mean. And it's,
1: and, and it's true. She doesn't quite sell that she's that mean. You no,
0: because I think really what it comes down to is that Esri is not at the heart of this episode. Norvo is not at the heart of this yeah. episode. Mm-hmm. Um, the other brother is not at the heart of this episode. Really, who needs to be at the core of this story is the mother. And she's not.
1: You're right. That part at the end when she asks, you know, Esri, is this my fault? And Esri doesn't really even have an answer. That should that's intended to be the climax of the episode that's the mo- moment where the mother realizes that you know even though everything she has done was of making a great life for her children and giving them the best of everything and making enough money so that they could have whatever they want and wanting to have the people that she loves with her and near her and and, and all of those even though she meant well in all of those ways she still did very very damaging harm to all three of them you know the Ezri is gone essentially forever norvo was put into such depths that he murdered somebody and is going to be in prison for the next 30 years and her older son is just in this pit of despair
0: yeah yeah and it, it's a problem. I mean, I think yeah. that you know it could have been an interesting episode. I mean, part of it too, I think, is that maybe the other brother doesn't really need to be in the episode. I mean, it might have made more sense if it was just Norvo and, and Ezri.
1: Yeah, because part of it is that Ezri feels a lot of guilt at the end for not coming back for her brother. I mean, this is something that happened six weeks ago. If Ezri had visited home as recently as 2 months previously she would have still seen her brother in these depths and would still be able to make him the offer oh let's go to ds9 and maybe he would have gone to ds9 at that point you know he would have been able to and this entire thing would have been avoided so there is this moment of you know missed opportunity which if there's an older brother who is also kind of, you know if we agree that norvo needs somebody older to take care of him a little bit Although, is Ezri older or younger? I can't I really... I think she's
0: supposed to be younger. I mean, she's like 23 or something.
1: Either way, the two of... You know, both Ezri and the older brother know that Norvo needs looking after by somebody and just needs needs a sibling to just kind of sidekick to. And...
0: Well, I guess... I mean, that... that you know, not to cut you off, but I think that's the other problem with the episode, too, is that they never clearly establish... The, the order of the siblings. Yeah. And I think that, you know, I don't actually know how, I mean, obviously um, the other brother whose name I keep forgetting, Janelle, Janelle. is, because it's such a wonderful name, uh, <laughs> he's obviously supposed to be the oldest yeah. one. And and he's probably like in his late 20s, or early 30s. But, I don't really have a good sense of how old Norvo is supposed to be. He could be like Jake's age. He could be a little bit older than Ezra. He could be a little bit younger. Maybe he was supposed to be 18. I I really don't know. And that's kind of a problem because you you need to know where he is in the development of his personality and his life to to really be able to contextualize the murder. And it doesn't work because we don't have that information.
1: I mean, there is... I, I did compare Norvo to Jake in my mind in a lot of ways. That I mean, before Esri made her offer, I was thinking, you know, why couldn't she let him go to DS Nine? He would be perfect there. He would essentially have the same life Jake does. You know, mm-hmm. he would be doing art or music or whatever he kind of wants to, and get a little job if he needs to. But you know, that that's you know, he could bartend at you know Quarks, for example. He could do something very easy and. Yeah, there is a missed opportunity for a parallel between Norvo and Jake, and Jake is the person who had proper support from his parents and especially his father and the people that he had around him. And Jake did grow up in a. It, it, again, I, I put in the ter- in my notes the term "federation privilege," but you know, Jake does have that. He has the environment where he can be whoever he wants to be. Yeah, and Norvo just doesn't.
0: Yeah, that's true. I mean, I will I will say, you know, to kind of turn this back around to Ezri, because she's the main character, and she's yeah. the one ostensibly that we care about the most, and the effects of all of this stuff is supposed to be really important because of what it does to Ezri. I, I, I do like the fact that this episode does contextualize and ground Ezri Tegan slash Dax as a character that is a bit more stubborn than we thought, a bit stronger than we thought, it 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 does take a you know supply of 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 self discipline and and stubbornness and and strength to leave your family and not go back for three
1: years and most of when we've seen her is her on the ship where she for various reasons the new joining and her feeling not quite settled in her career yet, where where she's not really in her element. She's come back to home, which is someplace she grew up. She has the perspective of three years away and these eight extra lifetimes added, and now she can actually see through her mother's bullshit. She can see that, you know, what her brothers need and what she kind of has the proper insight to. And so, yeah, she you know, she's very firm to her mother. You know, she's very blatant about you know her views on what this is doing to norvo for example which maybe she wouldn't have quite been at that point three years ago but as as you say it's true what she does have a toughness that makes her decide to sign up for starfleet which is again not even her own uh country's you know thing at that point she goes to another I, I, if if well, you sit, I mean,
0: their they are probably Federation no, citizens. But
1: again, whether or not they're Federation citizens or not, she's not doing something in her own. It, it, it would be one thing if if. Esri decided, right, well, I'm going to go to New Sydney and then become a counselor there, although that's kind of shitty, isn't it? So, yeah. you know. Or if she was going to move to her local big city, that's one thing. She moves to another country, essentially.
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't want to get into a big discussion about Federation citizenship, but I think that um, it, it's, it always seems to me that the Federation will give citizenship to whoever the fuck oh, yeah. wants it. So, I, you know, I mean, another country, eh, I don't know about that. I mean... It- they're Trill. They probably grew up in the Federation, or they her her parents grew up in the Federation or something. So I don't think it's as, you know—
1: uh, Maybe this is something— It's that, not like she's a Romulan. Well, this is something that we have to, I guess— uh, th- This is more of the cipher, that is. Her mother does— Why is her mother here? Why did she— Why is she running a business on this planet? Does she feel very strongly about not actively seeking Federation help? Does she resent that— you know, her daughter is into something that maybe she rejected? Or is it just simply like, oh, yeah, I'm a Federation citizen. I don't live on a Federation world, but, you know, I'm just – this is again, this is where my work is, and maybe when I retire, I'll retire back to Trill. You know, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Well, I mean, I think maybe the the final point to say about this before we maybe talk about O'Brien briefly, but, you know, there's not much to say about his storyline either because it's not really a storyline at all. Is that um, I guess the one part of the episode that does work for me is the the implication that you know Esri can't save her mother. Esri can't save her older brother because he's he's too he's much older than her. He's too invested in this at this point, and he's he's set here. But but she thought that she was in time to save Norvo. Yeah, and you know a murder is a pretty melodramatic way to indicate that the person can't be saved, but. It is still, uh, you know, a bittersweet moment for her that she realizes that essentially she has failed her entire family. Yeah, and I think that's really what that that last scene between her and her mother is about. Where you know her mother, you, you said before, where her mother says, "Please tell me this isn't my fault," and Ezra yeah. just walks out, and, and I think that, that, that I think that scene could have been played a little bit stronger, but. I, I do like the fact that Esri essentially turns her back on her mother and just walks out of the room.
1: Yeah, well, a, a, both Esri's mother and Esri walk away from the situation feeling like they have both have guilt for this. Esri's mother for actively fucking everybody up a bit and Esri herself for, as she says, not being there for somebody that she knew needed her. Yeah. And – I guess one of the other tragedies of this is that she and her mother aren't able to go through this together either. Yeah. you know, yeah. They, they, they There's have, too
0: much damage there Yeah, they,
1: they've both seen the exact same thing. They both are affected in the same way, and yet—and yet, and they both may have equal culpability, but they just—it's too broken. It's too damaged.
0: Yeah. And I guess that's really what—you know, the other thing, too, that I always forget is that the end of the episode doesn't end on, on the planet. It does end on DS9 with— yeah. You know her back on the station after having stayed there for this trial, and assumedly it took a while. Yeah. So she was home for a while, and and she seems very very down. She seems very broken and distraught. Yeah. You know she's not very interested in talking to to Bashir, and you know that all makes sense. But or O'Brien, sorry, it's not Bashir. But um, yeah. I don't know. I just feel like it. 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 This would probably have affected her in ways that would resonate, and you know, not to. You know, not to spoil too many things for you, but, you know, at this point, there's only like half a yeah. season left. It's not like we're going to get, you know, two more episodes, or three more episodes of Ezra dealing with her family. So, yeah, maybe that's part of the reason why. I doubt why... it's going to
1: be at a point like she's, oh, I got a letter for my brother in prison. Like, that's not
0: going to happen. No, I mean, like you said, he might be murdered by the Orion Syndicate in prison like next week. So, <laughs> you know, that's not uh-huh. great. Um, well, is there anything to say about O'Brien? I mean, he's competent. He's, he's a nice little, I, I always like seeing him in this episode because yeah. it's like, oh man, it's like a character that I know and love and he's good doing stuff. And it's like, he just feels very nice to see, but he doesn't really have much to do.
1: He is fine at what he does. And I like O'Brien. That's about it.
0: That's about it. <laughs> All right. Let's, uh, let's, let's, let's wrap let's, this
1: up. We're done with, uh, check it out. Bye let's, everybody. Let's.
0: No, we're not. We're not done. Oh, we're really not done. Uh, uh, So yeah, uh, Emperor's New Cloak. This
1: episode feels like it's giving a bunch of fan service that nobody wants. In other words, like, hey, I wonder what Mirror Vic Fontaine is like, and I wonder what Mirror Brunt is, and ooh, Mirror Leader. Nobody wanted to see those things, and it's just delivering that.
0: Let's get Mirror Vic Fontaine out of the way. Thank you, because... It makes absolutely no sense. Yeah. He's a real person in this universe, and he gets murdered. I, what?
1: I mean, I could accept that Vic Fontaine, the hologram program, is based on an actual person named Vic Fontaine. Like, maybe there is an actual lounge singer in the Star Trek universe that had himself digitized into a holodeck program. That's fine. And maybe Mirror Universe, that version of Vic Fontaine didn't become a, a, a lounge singer who was famous enough to... Have his own holodeck program, but who became a soldier and died? Like, that's is, I think that's the only possible explanation, and nobody needed that. No. Well, nobody needed this episode.
0: It's funny, in the Memory Alpha article for for this episode, which I usually read before we record just to get some background information,
1: (laughs) I made the mistake of looking up something on Memory Alpha and got a spoiler, so I haven't done that for any.
0: Oh, what spoiler did you get?
1: Uh, I kind of knew that Bashir was genetically engineered, uh, but I didn't know what that really meant, but Yeah,
0: you shouldn't look at Memory. Yeah, obviously. that that's why. But but um hear <laughs> Stephen Bear said that they felt like they needed with a small n, not a capital n, <laughs> to have one last episode in the Mirror Universe. Uh, to cap it off and i uh uh would like to uh, publicly state on the record uh 17 years later that that he is very wrong yes and that no one needed this um it is interminably boring it is offensive uh yeah. which we will get to and um i really don't understand what the point of this episode is at all and i don't even really want to engage with it on the level in which it is there because none of this matters. And like, that's the primary yeah. problem with mirror universe episodes in general in DS nine is that what, as we've talked about before, as you continue to go back to the mirror universe and take it seriously, yeah. it, it falls apart.
1: Well, this, I mean, in a way it reminds me of how Wesley had that, ep- had his final episode where he goes off with the traveler and all of that. like, Everybody hated Wesley. No one gave a shit how his story ended. Everyone hates the mirror universe. Nobody really cares to see the final mirror characters that because you this is an episode which supposes that there is this mirror universe fandom that's just going to rejoice when they realize that and who would who who view the last season as oh, but there's going to be so many characters that we don't get to see their mirror counterparts and what happens to the war in the mirror universe I wonder I mean. But th- again, those people I don't think really exist. So- I really
0: I really wanted them to like yeah. have the, the last episode, the last mirror universe episode to be like them discovering the wormhole in the alternate universe and the dominion coming through and destroying everybody because that would have yeah. been like the perfect end for
1: it. Well, I, again, I thought that originally when there was Mirror Universe and the Dominion, I thought, well, I, I wonder if they're going to meet the Mirror Dominion. What if the Mirror Dominion turns out to be the benevolent federa- you know, Federation type in that? And they – I mean that would have been an interesting way to connect the two stories. They get Mirror Dominion in order to – link with the e- the prime universe dominion, and that's how they become peaceful. But that's not what's going to happen.
0: No, I don't want that to happen. Well, that, that would just make too many connections between the real universes. And, like, and this, this is the thing, too. Okay, so... Um Granny Gazek decides that he's going to go to the mirror universe uh for for business opportunities <sighs> oh okay fine i I'll buy that. It seems like something he would do, yeah, and you know an entire new galaxy of business opportunities eh, with,
1: sure that's fine. they wanted to negotiate with the Dominion in the first place, so sure
0: yeah, that's fine but but um i I thought that uh Cisco or O'Brien had said that they had uh, classified the uh, transporter technology used to get to the mirror universe. And um, the revelation in this episode that Rom had it on yeah. a, like a non-encrypted pad that he left on the kitchen counter when he went home to visit his mother and Grand sex stole it, it just rings really, really – it, it insults it, my yeah, intelligence.
1: Either the information wasn't really classified and that's a retcon or no, Rom made a massive breach of security right and, and and either is a, is is too big of a bridge for this episode to cross,
0: and nothing really happens, of course i mean certainly um the the cloaking technology and 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 ROM and quark being in the mirror universe is what causes the rebels to yeah you know get wharf and take over and whatever and win the war, but it just who cares like i it just feels like a big like, I, I just, I don't care about it. Like, none of this matters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And And coming on the heels of Prodigal Daughter, which also really didn't matter all that much now of course when this was first aired i think there was about a month between episodes and wow what a great what a great wait for a month to get the emperor's new cloak but
1: well as we mentioned this is going to be the last episode i watch for a few weeks so where i think it's going to be about a month for us even so (laughs) not that not not that long but but still i've got a while before good stuff again yeah And, and i guess that I mean, Rom's entire running joke, and I put that in extraordinary quotes, that he's trying to figure out, like, what the mirror universe is and what alternate means. And if tube grubs are delicious, they're poisonous here, because, but if Brunt is evil there, he's good here, you know, and all of that, it's just not funny. And it's just. The mirror universe makes no sense, right? It's we all agree that. But well, if
0: we go back to the original conception of the mirror universe yes. from the TOS episode "Mirror, Mirror," which was written by Jerome Bixby, and they had that he had died shortly before this episode was aired, and so they put oh, that so role. they
1: figured they could you know piss on his grave then.
0: <laughs> well, they did put a memory of Jerome Bixby at the beginning of the episode, so that's fine, I guess. I I think that that maybe wasn't the best way to honor him, but okay but but i think that really what it comes down to is that you know and we've talked about this in the past so we don't need to rehash this point a lot but the original mirror universe episode mirror mirror works because it is an allegory and
1: yeah it worked because TOS in general was a little more uh broad in that kind of a way where it could have stuff that didn't quite make sense yeah but was for a fable for an allegorical reason yeah right
0: exactly and and so if ds9 had done that in the first Mirror Universe episode which I think was was pretty good. I mean, I don't think it's like a classic by any means, yeah. but it's it's pretty good and it's fine and it's shocking to go back to the Mirror Universe and I think they do something kind of interesting with it, which is yeah. hey, Kirk kind of fucked up, which is kind of in line with what Wrath of Khan's about and you know stuff like that. So it, it 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 what you keep yeah. going back to it and it just diminishing returns every every single time and none of it matters and why are we watching this? Well, yeah,
1: I mean, I I think the first time there was a mirror, mirror universe, I praised uh, Dark Kira. You know, I thought that was really interesting. The it was a really great special effect. Number one, we've seen the Dark Kira special effect so many times that and, well, it's not a special effect, but but but, point, in but in a but, in a way, it is. It's it's it's. Uh, it's the actress acting in, in a way completely different than we, she normally is. It's a bit shocking. It's well, less shocking the more we see it, and it's even less shocking the more characters we see it on. Yeah,
0: because the the characters that we see in the Mirror Universe are inc- incredibly one-note. I mean, one yeah. of the things that that I think we both love about Deep Space Nine is how multifaceted and three-dimensional pretty much every single character on the show is. But. Yeah in In the mirror universe, all the characters are one note, and it none of the pleasures of this really are are there. I mean, I think that if the the mirror universe characters had been a little more three dimensional perhaps and not cartoon characters because let 's be clear, this is basically a cartoon universe, this is a comic book universe, yeah that um maybe it would have been better i don 't know. I think that you know, for example, like i didn't necessarily like resurrection that much, I thought it was kind of boring, but I I remember liking the fact that they were doing something different with a Mirror Universe character and having them maybe go through some growth and change. Whereas, you know, Mirror Wharf is the same. Mirror Garrick is the same. You know, Mirror Akira is the same. They're all
1: the same. Mirror Akira. I was surprised. I was saddened that they didn't take. And again, from what you told me a few weeks ago about how Terry Farrell ended up leaving the show. But this was a perfect opportunity to give us a mirror Jadzia again. But no, she was killed off. So
0: Right, right. get. well, she was busy with Becker at this point, I guess. So oh, Yeah, and I mean did we need to see the intendant giving Grand Nagasek Umox? Probably not. I, I don't think that we ever really needed to see that. Um, we also get the revelation that Grand Nagasek likes getting his ear hairs pulled, so that's Great, and I'm which never, we kind of figure. I'm never going to have sex again because I'm completely turned off by it now.
1: Again, it imagines that there is somebody who's like, oh, of course, the grand Nagus neck would like the intended. Oh, she's giving a blue box. Wow, you know. Again, that well, guy doesn't exist. I, I, if you if you exist and you're that guy, please write us. And- <laughs> no, please
0: stop listening to the show and delete it from your podcatcher of choice. No, I, I please don't do that. Keep listening. I I don't. Um, yeah, I. I- <laughs> Well, the thing is, I mean that that is a little bit internally consistent because Grand Nagasak did pretty hardcore hit on Kara at one point, oh, yeah. so that's fine. But okay, let's let's grapple with with Mir Esri because it's this universe presumes that all the women are bisexual.
1: I or gay? I mean, in the this, case of Mir- dark, it's implied that Dark Ezri d- isn't interested in men with the bra. Br- brunt talks, but anyway,
0: <laughs> right? Uh, well, you know, Frank, you're ugly, so maybe that was part of it. <laughs> um, I, yeah, I I don't really know how to get into this, but um, I think that the I think that the um, same sex attraction in the mirror universe has gone from being a bad joke to actively being offensive.
1: Well, yeah, I, especially
0: considering the fact that at this point, Star Trek has, you know, had steadfastly refused to actually deal with
1: the reality of, of LGBT issues. I mean, it even goes a step further than that because the intendant is the cliche evil bisexual. It's not just that she's an evil lesbian. Like, the that usually bisexuals in media are portrayed as horny for anything and corrupt and decadent and mm. horrible. And that is who Mira Kira is
0: 100%. And and interestingly enough, Nana Visitor um, had said that she thought that the intendant being bisexual, explicitly bisexual – um, by kissing Ezri, of course, and yeah. This relationship with with Ezri uh, was a mistake because she felt like the intendant being attracted to to our Kira was more a product yeah. of her of her ego and narcissism, and that yeah. to me that made sense says that they should have listened to Nana Visitor a lot more. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, I, I mean, I guess where what it reminds me of. There is an episode of Buffy where they go into a mirror universe of sorts, and the mirror Willow is is as regular Willow puts it, kind of gay, right. and that's used as a kind of teasing the ulti- because they knew that they eventually wanted Willow to come out and be a lesbian herself or bisexual or whatever the character's exact sexuality is, and that was kind of the bit you know hinting towards yeah. that this is a version of her that's not repressed or not. Uh, you know, much more in tune with herself. Um more self actualized. What, what whatever one and if you can call a vampire self actualized. <laughs> um but yeah, that 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 was using something interesting with that kind of well the evil version of you is a lesbian, you know. Yeah. Uh, here it's just the again, it's the knee jerk. It's it's a cliche on a damaging one. We, we actually, for this month's patron special, uh, did an episode on LGBT issues in Star Trek, and we, of course, talk about so we And we did talk about it in more detail. So, hey, folks, give that a listen.
0: Yeah. You can go to patreon.com slash Show and give us $5 a month or more, and you can get the access to that and all the other patron specials. Ooh. Yeah, and I think that really what it comes down to for me is, is you know, at the end of the episode when when uh, Ezri and, and um, the Intendant kind of, you know, uh, uh, I don't know what the hell's going on there, but <laughs> it 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 just feels to me like the show is treating um my sexuality as a joke, yeah, and or I,
1: or as a titillation again. or as I'll a
0: titillation be- every you know it 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 feels very um immature and and teenage in its portrayal of sex and you know Star Trek has never really <sighs> had an adult the conception of sexuality. I think Deep Space Nine has done a much better job of that than a lot of the other shows, especially TNG. And of course, as I've talked about in the past, part of the reason why syndicated Star Trek did not do a very good job of this is that it was aired very early in some markets. And so there was only so much that they could get away with. So that, you know, what, you know, I I think that it's fair to criticize the franchise for that but i also think you need to put it in that context that said
1: yeah i mean it's bad enough that they have the business between the intendant and uh dark esri but i i guess the punchline at the end where dark lita is oh you know she's lesbian too and you know esri and she are gonna have a lot of fun together that's th- that, that
0: was really the that's the for worst. Me.
1: Yeah again at, le- at least dark Kira is one thing and at least i would listen to dark Ezri's band but you know
0: because it it simultaneously makes homosexuality out to be uh, uh, uh something that is only valuable or you know if if straight men find it yeah. hot and also it it simultaneously is offensive to women because their own sexuality and their own feelings are only valuable as objects for men's desire. Yeah, Uh, You know, and, and again, I don't, I don't necessarily think that the writing staff of deep space nine, I don't necessarily think that, you know, Iris, Stephen Baird and the other creative uh, people on the show are, are raging sexists or anything or misogynists, but, or homophobes, but it's that kind of, unthinking, you know, again, I'll use that word, male privilege that is offensive at this point. I mean, again, give it a rest, guys. You made your point already.
1: A a lot of the ways in which we talk about these kind of issues are with more 2016 terminology. I mean, you know, saying privilege in that sense would be in, I I believe, only the most academic circles in in
0: 1999,
1: 1999. Now they've filtered down into more everyday discourse and. You know we are looking at this at this show with the lens of today, and I I guess the lesson a lot the lesson that we come to a lot on this show is that times have changed. Now, well, we're about to have you know Trump as the president, so times have not changed, but uh, they've changed for the worse. But I I don't know; it's a very dated show in certain ways, which I think is. Interesting, especially given that nineteen ninety nine wasn't that long ago, and was some you know was a time that you and I were uh, late teenagers and very aware of the world at that point. That's just I don't know. It's just kind of funny as I'm getting older, you notice where. You begin to notice things shifting like that. Oh so. yeah,
0: absolutely. I mean, I, I I think for example, anything that deals with with trans issues, yeah. is, is amazing to me in, in, in how much that is, has really moved along, in, in even just the past five years. Yeah, I mean, you know, I don't I don't even think there was a conception of of you know trans trans as trans no. as an identity trans rights in 1999. I mean, I, certainly, again, if you want to talk about you know really academic stuff, that was it was in existence certainly, but yeah, it did not it had not filtered out into the general culture at that point. So, yeah, I think that, there, you know, obviously there are are ways in which television shows and other, you know, creative endeavors are always dated a little bit. Yeah. Um, But at the same time, you know, Star Trek had been criticized for this before. And so to do it again yeah. it just feels like them thumbing their it's, nose at this. and that's fair and you know that's all I, really I have to say about it i guess but uh,
1: certainly you know if trans as an identity didn't quite exist in 1999 or was conceptualized slightly differently lesbian and bisexual identity certainly did there yeah. were certainly people and there were certainly uh, lgbt fans at that time who yeah. who who, who we're a little pissed off at this. So yeah, yeah. we can hope that Star Trek Discovery doesn't make these same mistakes. I yeah, I don't think it will. I mean, we'll
0: we'll find out, of course, in a few months, but I I can't I can't see it happening, uh, even though Brian Fuller is no longer involved <laughs> at all. Um, <laughs> well, maybe I mean maybe the last thing to talk about before we wrap this episode of the podcast up is
1: did,
0: did we need to see Quark and Rom in the Mirror Universe? That was one of the goals of this episode, where they said, well, you know what? We've never seen Quark and huh. Rom in the Mirror Universe. But so. they don't
1: do anything interesting. Well, they
0: think Quark kills... No, Kira kills Garrick, right? Or no, Ezra kills Garrick. I I don't even know. I watched the episode like two uh, hours ago. I, so did already- I.
1: You're right. I don't have an answer for that. Um, uh, Especially because Rom and Quark had been... Ki- I mean, we have... Have we seen... I guess yeah. The Ben Sisko did that. I was going to say, have we seen any of the prime characters infiltrating and trying to pretend to be one of the? Oh sure, yeah, yeah. And yeah. We've seen that. Maybe that would have been interesting for Quark and Rom to do. Have two characters who are not, you know, trained for this sort of a thing, and you know, we have to see Quark try and talk his way out of a situation while also reigning in his brother. Like that would have been an interesting episode. But given how long ago. Quark and Rom were killed. Every, everyone, you know, anybody who sees them immediately says, "Oh, you're dead. Oh, you're the mirror version."
0: Yeah, and why would they all know who Quark is anyway? I don't know. Like, why the fuck would Worf know who I Quark? Like, it doesn't <laughs> it doesn't make any
1: sense because they read the script. I don't know. You, you could tell that nobody really enjoyed working on this episode.
0: I don't know. Apparently, they love it. Really? Yeah. They thought that Prodigal Daughter was the weakest episode of the season. Really? Yeah. Huh. And I mean, I don't think it's a great episode, but I also think that Emperor's New Cloak is, uh, I don't know, 10 times worse than it or something.
1: Again, there's a little. Because uh, yes, you could say, yes, you, the guest stars don't really do it for you, but at the end of the day, Ezra, is, so, you know, who's somebody that we are beginning to care about. It does affect her and it does well i, I uh, this doesn't affect anybody, and you know that Quark and Rom are not going to be marked by this journey in any way, and they're not going to be murdered by Garrick when that. Yeah. I mean it's just not going to happen. Uh, that's uh, not the kind of show this is,
0: yeah, and I think that maybe finally you know we we haven't really talked about Mira Ezra at all, but you know and and certainly um Nicole DeBoer said that she enjoyed playing this character, and she she wished she could play it more
1: I mean um, she looks pretty cool, like I said, you know as you know in a Joan jet kind of a way, sure. She's,
0: but it to me, it's like they again they do the least interesting thing they can with the mirror universe counterpart, yeah, which is to make her an evil lesbian. Yeah, I mean, okay, she gets a little bit of redemption at the end, but and, and I guess that's something. But we've also seen characters in the mirror universe s- seem like they're moving towards some sort yeah. of redemption, and then they want to do another mirror universe episode in a season or two, and they decide to j- jettison that because. That's interesting because you can't have these characters become good people or it really becomes unnecessary. Like, why do we need to go back to the mirror, mirror universe and see Intendon Kara be, a, you know, I don't know, a wonderful person? We don't want to see that. Huh. Now, of course, she
1: murders Brunt and we get to see Nice Brunt. But it, it again, all- Nice Brunt was a sketch. It was. It amused me. It was cute to see him be nice, but
0: well, I guess that's what it really comes down to at the end of it. Is and I think that's a good word to use for for this episode in particular. Maybe the mirror universe episodes in general is that they really do just feel like sketches. Yeah, and they're kind of underdeveloped sketches. You know, they're 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 the sketches that Saturday Night Live puts on at twelve forty five a.m.
1: You know what I mean? Yeah, it seems like a parody. Like oh, we're crossing into you know the evil version of you know. it, it, It seems like when. You know, they show Sesame Street, but everybody's on drugs. Like, it, it, it's it's a very adolescent, puerile kind of a take on— it, know, Is that a real thing? Yeah, on the internet. You've never seen, like, that kind no, of— No, I don't go on the internet. Well.
0: I anyway. actually just—I throw CDs uh, of the uh, podcast uh, 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 uh. out the window.
1: Yeah. that That's—it seems the same impulses for the Mirror Universe. We we were just going to do this for the sake of a quirky joke, and it's just not that funny.
0: Yep. And I think that's a good place to leave this episode Thank God, because really I don't want to talk about this anymore.
1: <laughs> uh, so we're going to make a solemn promise. The Mirror Universe episodes never existed. We we will just not deal with them anymore. They will not be counted in our final summation of the show because they were just stupid.
0: I'm okay with that. Yes. Um, I think I told you this the last time we had a Mirror Universe episode, but I just want to prepare you that we're not done with the Mirror Universe yet.
1: I thought you said this was the last Mirror Universe episode.
0: Of Deep Space Nine. Oh, Fuck. Well, on that note, if you have any thoughts on either of the episodes of Deep Space Nine we just discussed, please leave a comment on the post for this episode of the podcast at truckaboutshow.com You can check out our Patreon, as we mentioned earlier, at Patreon.com slash Show. It would be a great time. Richard's giving me a horrible look. I think I broke him a little bit with the news that there's more Mirror Universe to come. You can go to Patreon.com slash Show, give $5 a month or more, and get access to uh, our patron specials every month, which we do for people that give us $5 a month or more, as well as one week early episodes of Trek About, which is also available at the $3 a month level,
1: but we prefer $5 a month because it is more money. We'd prefer $45 a month because I have to watch more mirror episodes, apparently.
0: Social media, follow us, Trek About Show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And as always, please leave us a positive iTunes review for Trek About. Next week, next week for you, a couple weeks for us, we are going to be talking about the episodes Field of Fire and Chimera.